0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles.
1: He's Greg. I'm Nick. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. And this episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston and claim your $200 bonus. Before we get into all the draft stuff, Greg, Let's hit some headlines. First of all, you had a little bit of a health issue over the weekend.
0: I did. I figured this would be the best place to address it and, you know, not into the, to get into the nitty-gritty or anything, but uh, a little bit of a scary situation during the Bruins game on Friday night. After the first period, I got up from the couch. I had just taken a drink of something, and I, ha- I had the sensation that it went down the wrong pipe, but I was like, you know, whatever, it'll pass in a second. Like, and uh, next thing I know, I was uh, face down on the floor uh, with my wife and kids looking very concerned, uh, blood pouring out of my nose. Um, and, uh, you know, long story short, uh, went through the whole thing, ambulance, couple different hospitals, things like that. But at the, at the end of the day, after a couple of days in the hospital, which I wasn't crazy about, uh, at the end of the day. I checked out 100%. They checked everything, blood work, heart, uh, x-rays, everything. Um, and at the end of the day, the working theory is that, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, Nick, uh, but they, they called it, uh, a vasovagal response, which is basically, um, and, and you get this a lot with people who um, see the sight of blood and they just faint and, um, Basically what happened is what was going on after I drank that, like my body didn't know how to process it. So it basically just shut down like the, the heart, uh, my, my blood pressure like dropped and I basically like fainted, passed out. Like luckily I didn't suffer any real damage. You should have seen my face a couple days ago. Cause basically I had like a huge rug burn. Um, it was, uh, I was even better looking, uh, or worse looking than I normally am. Um, And uh, a little something with my neck, but nothing, um, but the bottom line is nothing serious. I mean, it's taken me a little bit longer to get up to speed. So I will say, you know, and I apologize for everybody and especially the BSJ members, you know, um, you know, I'm behind on draft stuff because a lot of the stuff I do like starting this, this weekend, I catch up on a bunch of stuff and I just got set back. But luckily we have Kevin Field who. Uh, I will be talking like nitty-gritty draft stuff uh, tonight for a pod tomorrow on draft day. So luckily Kevin's been knocking it out of the park with draft coverage and a lot of the stuff that I would do. He knows what the Patriots are looking for. But look, bottom line is there's nothing wrong with me. Um, Unfortunately for some of you, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. In in fact, my heart uh, is is doing really well. And uh, so everything checked out. It was just a weird sort of weird episode that uh does did not signify that I have anything long term wrong with me. In fact, I'm extremely healthy.
1: My goodness, my guy. Uh yeah. I'm glad it's all right and now I I apologize for the email I sent to you yesterday because I feel it was terrible No, it's,
0: <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I'm but you know, I I was back I was back home on Sunday afternoon and I've been working and you know just getting back up to speed like sometimes with my you know with my neck like sometimes I overdo it a little bit like last night was kind of rough uh, I just have to realize that my body's still recuperating a little bit but no, no, no it's all it's all good and a lot of the stuff that you know you talked about we'll talk about you know in 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 due time you know as we sort of uh, formulate, uh, you know, what's next for BSJ and things like that, and we're hoping that you know Nick's a part of that, and, and even more than he is now, certainly. So we'll, you know, we'll we'll deal with that in all due time, and
1: it's all good. It's all good. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to some football. Gladly again, you're okay. Everything checked out well. Good to know that the uh, the ticker is is ticking as it should. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is officially a New York Jet. Finally, the the predictable, inevitable outcome uh greg to you how much does that change things especially in the afc east
0: well i mean look we we knew this was going to happen at some point um and you know even though i don't think we've like fully addressed it um i think it changes a lot um but the bottom line is it comes down to aaron and people know i'm familiar with aaron i covered him very early in his career we've kept in touch um, including we you know, we had a nice conversation at Lambeau Field last season when the Patriots were there. Um, and there's a mutual respect there um, between Aaron and myself. And I, I've observed his entire career, even though I was only there up front for, you know, 07 when he backed up Favre and then 08, 09, and I left in the middle of the 2010 season. Um, I've still obviously watched the Packers a lot. You know, any team that you used to cover, you still keep a close eye on, and I've done that. Because there's still guys. Well, it's dwindling now. I think Mason Crosby's the only guy left on that team now that I covered when I was there. Uh, old man Mason. Uh, we we both have a lot more gray hair now. Um, so, but here's the bottom line with Aaron. And I've heard our friend Mike Felger talking about this, and he's right about. This comes down to how much Rogers cares, um, and there's a lot of. You, there's a lot that goes into this. Um, Aaron is his, his unique self, which he relishes, and so um, he he will not react how normal people react. But you know, for example, you know when Favre went to New York, um, I mean he he had re- revenge on his heart. Like he, you know, he was. He was pissed at the Packers that they didn't basically give in at the last second like he figured they would, that they would be like, okay, Brett, you want to come back now? Like, of course, you get your spot back. Like every other year previously when he would do a drama. And the Packers were just like, no, it's it's over, and you're not the quarterback here anymore. And that really drove him. And Favre is more, I, say, hu- I would say, human in his attitude towards that type of stuff. Aaron, we know, is a different beast, and he relishes being unique and and dealing with things in a different way. However, um, he, he will not go there like Favre did, and people forget they'll look at the end product. Favre for about half a season was really freaking good in New York, but finally his shoulder gave way. He had this hole in his shoulder that eventually was going to give way, and it gave way, and he couldn't throw anymore. Um, I think that Aaron is going to – he's not going to quite be Favre, but he's not going to quite be I don't give a crap I'm getting paid that type of thing. I think it's going to be in between. I think you are you're not going to see like Brady going to Tampa. It's not going to be quite on that level which was very Farvian in terms of his motivation. Um and I think that I think that Aaron will be motivated. It's not going to be full tilt. I think he's going to hang in on that and I think he's at least for about half a season, he's going to be invested. But I do think a lot of it is going to be, all right, what's the coaching? What are the players around him? What's the situation? Um, so I don't, think it's, I don't think it's 100% that he's going to go there and deliver and be really good and be better than he was in Green Bay. I do think he's going to be better than he was in Green Bay. I think this offense will suit him more. I didn't like that offense. I don't care that he won an MVP. I think it's going to be a little bit different, a little bit more to what he likes. And I think he's, I think he's going to be pretty good there. Not not MVP level, but pretty good.
1: All right, I'm about to stop this for a second. You you kept going pretty well, I think. Some, I agree with you, Greg. I mean, when you look at Rogers the last couple of years, it's been somewhat up and down. And, you know, his, his inability to stay consistently plugged in, I think, is a big question in this, whether or not I want to retire. And I was 90% retired before I went to my man cave, hobblet hole, whatever the hell was going on there. Um <laughs> we don't really know how engaged he is. Like it's, it's either or right. Like you could see Rogers be that motivated guy with the chip on his shoulder and play some really good football this year. Or is he kind of just wandering through the world and not totally plugged in. If he's totally plugged in, I think it's at least a four win difference for the jets, if not bigger. I mean, they could be 11, 12 win team with that defense if he plays well. So a uh, pretty big change as far as the division, I see people saying that the Patriots are now doormats. I see Mike Florio saying that they're the worst team on paper in the division. How do you feel with the Patriots stack up now that we do have Rodgers with the Jets?
0: I would say right now with a, you know, just a snapshot and of course we're going into the draft and things might change a little bit with the draft, but you know, I think when you look at it, um yeah. I mean, I do think the Patriots are the worst team in the division right now on paper, but uh, you, we all know that football's not played on paper and a lot of things will change. And I do think things will change. You know, this is the way my quickie sort of handicapping of the AFC East right now. And we'll get into this more after the draft when we have rosters that are complete and stuff like that. And we'll do sort of, Hey, this is where we see things right now, you know, going into the summer and then injuries will change things. Um, I will say that I, I think the Bills are a slight favorite in the division overall. I don't think they're as good as last year. I think we're getting a little bit into the Buffalo Bills of the 90s territory of them sort of doing the same thing every year and you just think, well, it's it's going to come it's going to come for them. They're going to break through, they're going to get that Super Bowl title. I mean, this team maybe I'm wrong, have they even been – I don't think – have they been to an AFC championship game? I don't think they have. Um, I think they've come up short. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Um, but, you know, they, they've they obviously come up short. The The Chiefs game a couple years ago was their best chance. Um, it's hard to keep going up that mountain. It's not easy. And I think they've lost some things this offseason. I do think that Sean McDermott taking over the defense is going to be a net win at the end of the day for them. Um but I don't think they're clearing away, like last year, I thought they were clearing away the best team in the division, and that ended up happening. Um, I think when you look at second place, I like the Jets now. I think they're the favorite to finish in second, but again, a slight favorite over both the Dolphins and the Patriots. I think that the Dolphins with to his situation, they are one injury away from being in the tank again. Um, I think they have a better backup situation, Right now, than they did a year ago with Teddy and, and Skyler, I think they'll, they'll they'll be a little bit better there. With who's the guy? It's slipping my mind right now. Um, it's not Stidham; it's somebody else. But anyways, um, but I think it's I think between the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Patriots, it's all going to come down to the normal things, health, luck, things like that. I think the AFC East as a whole plays a tough schedule. I think the Patriots have a tough schedule on paper. Um, but I think, you know, I, I don't know what to expect, uh, you know, outside the bills and like, you know, I just see them, I think all of them are sort of jumbled somewhat together and there's certainly a pecking yeah. order and I would go bills, jets, dolphins, and then the Patriots, but I don't think they're all, I don't think the top and the bottom are all that far apart. I know people will say on paper, the Patriots are, but I, you know, I think they will be like bill said, we'll be competitive and. I think at the end of the day, that's what they're looking for. And then they, you get into coaching and matchups and things like that. And they think they can win the day. Will that still be the case? I think
1: that's the big question about this team. Bills fans are pissed at you. 2020, they made the AFC championship game and lost to the Chiefs. Uh, so oh, it's sorry. Of, it's okay. It's okay. I <laughs> just want to clear that up. As far as how you feel about the division, I feel the same way, Greg. Like,
0: that was the COVID I, year. I, bl- I I blacked out. So in my defense, I blacked out. We all did. We, that's all Cam Newton year. Like I expunged that. So my bad.
1: I was going to say, we, we all blacked out in 2020. Yeah. But, uh, you know, looking at the division, I, I feel the same way as you do. You know, it's it's contextual, right? It's it's all relative. Yeah, the Patriots are the worst team on paper in the division, but I don't think they're miles behind everybody else. I think you can talk about one or two games maybe being the difference. Like, to me, best-case scenario for the Patriots. And, and, again, look, as you said, we've got the draft coming up. Trades can still happen. A lot can still happen. But right now on paper – I think the Patriots, if everything fell right, if, if the coaching was truly the only difference with this football team uh, from a year ago to two years ago and they progressed the way we thought you know, they should have last year minus the ridiculous decisions by Belichick with Patricia and Joe Judge, if that is the case, I could see the Patriots winning 11 games this year. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that anybody in the AFC East is good enough to win 13, 14 games. I think, I think you have the opportunity here for really all the teams to be hovering between nine wins and 12 wins or 13 wins like that. That's what this division feels like to me. So yes, the Patriots right now on paper are at the bottom of the list, but they could be one or two games separated from the rest of the division. So I don't think it's this drastic drop from a, a 13 win team. If it is the bill to the Patriots winning like five games and absolutely sucking.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I agree with you. I think that um, I think, you know, when we talk about like what's in first of all, you know, look what the Patriots have done this year, which I talked about last week. And again, Nick wanted to be on the pod. My Internet was out. And so I talked about it last week where, you know, the Patriots really haven't done anything. They really haven't. And, you know, that might change a little bit in the draft, but not drastically. But you know a little bit upgrades here, and that tells you that Bill Belichick looks at his roster, his defense, his special teams, his offense. Pending what, if anything, they do a quarterback, he thinks they have a t- they had a team last year that could have competed for the division title in the playoffs, and he still believes that, and he thinks Bill O'Brien will really help. And and if you believe in Bill still, um, even with how he screwed things up last year, you have to have some confidence that he's going to do that and uh, that that he's correct and I'm not going to discount it even though he has screwed up in recent years which we've documented re- really well he's still freaking smart and um w- we'll see if that's true but in in terms of me how I think the best case scenario for the patriots is that uh is that the bills regress on defense which allows you to score a little bit more that aaron Rodgers... Um, doesn't deal with the, the the media bubble in New York, which is trust me, <laughs> I've I, I've worked in sort of both places, not really New York, but around New York. I've been around enough. I went to Rutgers, you know. Trust me, the bubble that he's been living in 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 northeast Wisconsin is going to be drastically different. And how is he going to deal with that? Because he does have rabbit ears. Trust me, I know. He knows what people are writing. He knows what people are saying. How is he going to deal with that? I I don't know. It could really change materially how he does things. And then with the Dolphins, I do think the Dolphins are damn good on paper, but it all comes down to the quarterback. And, you know, that is very tenuous. And so, you know, if any of those, if if all those things happen, the Patriots are going to be in the thick of things because they, at least we know they have a good, solid, all-around team. That's what we know. We don't know the upside of the team and whether they can get there.
1: All right, let's get to your draft board. We'll spend about a minute on each of these guys as we run through because we got a lot to get through here. And we start with the offensive line, Greg. Uh, Peter Skoronsky, guard slash tackle. He's listed as a tackle in some places. Talk about him being a guard in other places. Uh, He's from Northwestern. Your thoughts on Peter Skoronsky?
0: Yeah, so just to let people know what we're going to talk about here is if the Patriots um, are at 14 – what would be sort of your draft board in terms of if this player, this, you know, the proverbial, we're at 14, best player available. Who's at the top of our board and taking out people that we think are gone. Now Skaronsky could be gone. Um, He very well could be, he could be gone at the top 10. I could see him being a Raiders type pick for McDaniels and Ziegler at seven, just to give them, you know, a really solid double that is going to be there for 10 years and going to anchor wherever he fits tackle or guard. But Uh, The number one player on my board, if I got the 14 and I'm going best player available, is Skaronsky from Northwestern. I just think, you know, he could play right tackle for the Patriots if, you know, he would fit in with their best five guys philosophy where it's like, all right, they come in and they say, all right, well, Skaronsky's a freaking unbelievable guard, which a lot of people think. Then we're moving a Wenu to tackle or... Something along those lines. I just think that if Skaronski is there at fourteen, the value that he presents, I, I can't pass on that. He, he, I just can't. Not with the industry, and he could even play left tackle. He did in college, but he would be the number one guy on my board
1: uh, at fourteen. If you believe he's a tackle, fine. If you're at any, you know, at all concerned about the idea of him possibly being a guard, and you have to slip him to guard eventually in the NFL, I'm out. You spent the first-round pick on Strange last year. I don't want back-to-back first-round picks used on offensive guards. So if if his projection is a tackle, cool. If he's a guard, I don't want him to be touched. Uh, next up on your list, Greg, Bijan John Robinson from Texas, explosive running back. He's being talked about an awful lot leading up uh, to this draft tomorrow night because, of course, a lot of people are wondering if he's going to be picked in the first round. A lot of people wonder if he's going to be picked in the top ten
0: yeah, I could see somebody coming up to get him, but um again, and you could make the argument that yeah, that he would be the number one player on a lot of people's boards. I just think he's when when it comes to running backs and top half of the first round, first round in general, that guy better present something in the past game, you know, like yeah. an Alvin Kamara, like a Christian McCaffrey. Um, and I think Robinson is that kind of guy. I think he's that good in the past game that I think if he's on the board at 14 with the Patriots and say they can't trade out and they get stuck, I could see the Patriots taking Robinson. And now, look, you'll say, well, they have Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. Um, We don't know what they have behind him. But also, you know, the way the Patriots uh, draft, at 14, they need somebody that they know is a no-doubt day-one starter. That's sort of their grading system. I think that Robinson is that guy. I think that they would bring him in. They would see how it goes, and then if he is the guy and he's healthy, and they think he's the guy that they, they drafted him to be, then I think with Ramondre Stevenson with two years left on his rookie deal, I think he becomes a trade chip. Now people will say, "Well, why don't you keep them?" Well, I mean, you know, look, you can't have everything, and you know, if Robinson is the 14th overall pick, and you th- you had him graded seventh in the draft. Like, he's the guy, and you could play it by ear, but he would be the guy for me.
1: I don't like drafting running backs in the first round, but I'm absolutely fine with drafting weapons in the first round. And to me, Bajan Robinson, it's all about how you are going to utilize him. If you see him as a weapon, like Greg's talking about, a pass catcher, a guy that's going to be able to play in the slot, which he has done from time to time. He's even detached himself from the backfield and the line of scrimmage from time to time as a receiver. He receives out of the backfield. He is the ultimate weapon with just explosive ability. If Bill O'Brien sees him as more than a running back, just sees him as a weapon, and we can use him in the passing game, then I can buy into it because he is that talented. Um yep. let's jump to our offensive tackle, Paris Johnson from the Ohio State University.
0: Yeah, I just think Paris Johnson um he's incredible off the field, like great kid great intangibles, loves football, all that stuff, you know, on the field definitely has some stuff to work on. But in in terms of my tackle rankings um, of guys who are definitely tackles, Skaronsky's, you know, a guard slash tackle. Paris Johnson's at the top of my list. He's got a chance. He's got a very good chance to be a franchise left tackle. He's at least a really good right tackle. Uh, So if he's there, uh, he's near the top of my list in terms of I'm um, I'd be okay at 14 not trading out and taking Paris Johnson because all of a sudden you've 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 solidified the future of your offensive line especially the important tackle positions.
1: Uh needs a little bit more power to his game. He's he's a raw kind of guy. Uh obviously yep. playing at Ohio State, he's had some really good competition in the Big 10. Uh I, I would wonder you're you're really pet- potential heavy on the left side. And if you hit on those projections, fantastic. If you've got Cole Strange and Paris Johnson, they both hit their ceiling, then you have a dominant left side of the line. If not, you might have some issues. Cornerback, 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 who's on your list? It's Devin Weatherspoon.
0: Yeah, he's really the only guy that I would consider at 14. He's a little bit undersized, and I actually looked at this. He's pretty much the same size as Darrell Revis when Revis came out of Pittsburgh. Now, Revis was 20 pounds heavier and a little bit quicker but i just love the mentality of this guy and and he he, he tackles like a mac truck he thinks he's six foot three and 250 pounds you worry about a little bit of wear and tear the shoulders things like that like if he continues to hit at the pro level like that but you know played for brett bielema at illinois we all know about bill and his connect. i i wouldn't be surprised if the patriots like drafted three or four guys out of illinois this year, just because of the BLM and they do have some pl- good players, some, you know, safeties and things like that. But to me, if, if the rest of those guys are gone and Devin Witherspoon happens to be on the board, I think he's going to be gone by then. He has a good chance to go to the lions. I think he would fit in with Dan Campbell's mentality and they need all the help they can get at cornerback and defense. Uh, but if for some reason the lions take somebody else, um, you know, the Raiders could go with Witherspoon as well. They need help there. Uh, I just think Witherspoon, hes he'd be the only guy that I'd be comfortable with at cornerback in the first round at 14.
1: Yeah, I was going to mention the Raiders. The, 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 I would yeah. imagine that they're looking at corner. as well. Uh, they might have to choose between Gonzalez and Witherspoon at seven if they're both there. We'll see how that all unfolds. Uh, I agree with you about the player. He plays hard. He's physical. He's not the biggest dude in the world, but he's a really good fit and he plays the way Bill likes his corners to play. Uh, another tackle on the board for you Greg here. Broderick Jones from Georgia.
0: Yeah, I think he's um you know he he has all the tools. Um you know like you said with Paris Johnson, uh this you know Broderick is probably a little bit more raw than uh this than Paris Johnson, but you know you know how Bill love he loves Georgia guys, high level of play. He has all the tools. Um you know decent make up not ideal um uh, but less of a projection as some of the other guys uh further down the list but if, if Broderick Jones is there I think he's a day one starter at right tackle has a chance to play left tackle and at 14 I'd be happy with
1: that all right let's get to some skill positions quickly here uh wide receiver just your thoughts on uh Jackson Smith and Jigba okay so in general
0: that's it. That's those five guys are the only guys that I would take at 14. This is okay. my trade down line. Anything below here, I'm not comfortable taking at 14. I would rather trade down and, and go next on my list. But uh you know, just to just to tick it off real quick, this is my descending list from here. Lucas Van Ness, the defensive end from Iowa, just because, you know, he's six foot five, 260 pounds. He sort of would play the Dietrich Wise role in this defense where he can do a lot of different things play three, four, and stand up. Don't know about Josh Uche and Anthony Jennings, you know, going forward. Matthew Judon's not getting younger. I don't love Van Ness. I have a lot of AJ Epinenza vibes. He hasn't done yeah. much with the Bills. Uh, so I worry about a little bit with those. Iowa guys. Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee, has some really good tape. Shut out Will Anderson. But then he has a lot of crappy tape. He is very up and down. I worry about his motor. Next, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Uh, Better profile physically than, you know, even Devin Witherspoon. But I just don't know if he has the instinct. He's almost sort of like a cornerback in a lab. But can he play? Um, After that, I am going to the wide receivers. Uh, Jackson Smith Enigma would be uh, my top wide receiver, followed by Zay Flowers. I'd be happy with either of those guys, a little bit lower in the first round, say in the 20s. I'd love to get one of those guys. I think they're difference makers and will be really good players in this system. And then I go to the quarterbacks after that uh, with Anthony Richardson over Will Levis. I'm not, Richardson needs time. He needs to sit for a couple years. He'd be the perfect guy if you can get him Bottom of the first, if you trade down, to sit and learn behind Mac Jones. And if Mac doesn't pan out, then it's Richardson's time in two years. Levis, I'm not a big fan. He has all the tools. I'm sorry. I don't like a quarterback that takes a lot of selfies in the mirror looking at his body, is bulked up. I mean, just look at the Patriots. Look at at Tom Brady and Mac Jones and Will Levis. One of these guys doesn't belong, and I just can't see – Bill, I, I know there's a lot of smoke, and, and I wanted to get your opinion on some of the stuff, the top 30 visit, but I just can't see Will Levis being a Bill Belichick guy. I just can't.
1: Yeah, uh, when I look at Levis, and, and I watched him play a couple times this year with Kentucky, um, he's you, you mentioned the, the key word when you talked about Christian Gonzalez, too. Tools, you know, and, and other players. Like, toolsy. They, they they have the physical attributes. Levis has the rocket arm. He can make these unbelievable throws. But he's not the most accurate guy in the world. He's turned the football over. Uh, you wonder about his approach at certain times, uh, how he approaches the game and all of that. He seems like, outside looking in, he seems like the like anti-Patriot. Like a Patriot quarterback. I, I just... You mentioned it. You know, you look at Mac, you look at Brady, you look at guys that Bill loves, at least going into the draft. Even like Stidham,
0: I mean, Garoppolo maybe, you know, just because, you know, he's a good-looking guy, but I don't think he was bulked up. I mean, you know, look at Stidham, look at Hoyer. I mean, none of these guys are freaking on muscle and fitness. Levis is.
1: Yeah, and Richardson, I agree with your assessment there. I saw a lot of him at Florida, and I watch a lot of SEC football, and, you know, he, he has raw potential, and he went out there and he destroyed the Combine. Um, I I would, I would be somewhat concerned about his level of play. If you just threw him right into the situation, said you're starting quarterback QB one right now, I think he needs, you know, at least a year of seasoning before he is completely ready to walk out there. But with the clock ticking on these rookie contracts, we know how this works. Now, a lot of teams just throw dudes into the fire and say, Hey, you're going to do what you're going to do and see if that works out. So I, I agree with most of what you said about those two quarterbacks. Um, As far as tight end, just want to throw a couple names into the mix because, you know, mm-hmm. it's a position that people look at. Hunter Henry's contract situation, Gasicki has a one-year deal. Uh, I've seen a ton of Michael Meyer. I mean, I- I've seen Michael Mayer play a uh, hundred times with Notre Dame. I'm a Notre Dame fan. And Michael Mayer is is somebody to me, people say Hunter Henry kind of clone. I-, I could see that. I could see that comparison. He's a bigger guy. He's not this supreme athlete, but he's he's got – you know, really good hands. He makes contested catches. He makes catches downfield. I've seen him make catches on the boundary. I've seen him make catches down the seam. He's a really good red zone target. Um, you know, to me, he is the, the most surefire tight end in this draft. I I don't think you miss on him. Um, I want to get your thoughts on on him. If you have any, if you've seen him and and also Dalton Kincaid, who a lot of people would, uh, compare to Travis Kelsey, not to say he he is Travis Kelsey but he's a movable tight end more receiver than tight end than anything else a very good athlete uh would you be thinking about would you be entertaining the idea of drafting a tight end in the first round greg
0: um in a trade down yes um you know i i just think this tight end class is so um deep um that I, I could definitely see them double dipping. You say Dalton Kincaid. I keep thinking Dalton Keene and having like flashbacks of like, yeah, let's not do that again. Let's not do Aussie, Aussie and Keen, uh double dip. That was a, I mean, you know, knocked it out of the park with Gronkowski and Hernandez. And then on the other side of the coin, uh Aussie, Aussie and Keene. But I could see them, you know, in a trade down, um, that sort of thing, you know, people know, I, you know, I like the profile of Darnell Washington from Georgia. I think he's, yeah. he's a unique type of guy, a type of guy, you know, Daniel Graham, those type of tight ends that Bill really liked that can do things both ways. And I think he has a lot of upside, but I I, I would have a tough time with him probably in round one, maybe, maybe early second, if they can trade down and do that.
1: Darnell Washington, he's a unicorn, right? He's he's six foot seven, like two sixty five. He's athletic. He's a freak. Um, some of his films fun to watch. All right, so just before we get to the BSJ member question of the day, just want to run through a couple thoughts here. Um, to me, the needs cornerback. You, you're going into this with Jack Jones and Jonathan Jones. I think that's your number one need. I don't want mm-hmm. them to reach. but I think that's that's need number one. Offensive tackle. Uh, If you read a lot and you watch a lot on this draft, people will tell you that this is not the best tackle class. And um, you know because of the thin class and because of them having Anderson and Reef now on the roster, I'm not so sold that they're going to go early with a tackle unless somebody falls to them that they think is can't miss. Um, And and also wide receiver and edge. I think edge is kind of a sneaky one. Uh, Uche's contract, shootout's contract in a couple of years, um would not be surprised if they if they go out there and get get an edge in this draft. Me, you know, when I look at this plan, to me, if if Witherspoon is there, if Paris Johnson is there, if uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is there, maybe Christian Gonzalez, I wouldn't have any issue drafting those guys at fourteen. If those guys are not there, I think this is such a a perfect draft. and i we've said this a lot, but I really think that this draft, if you if you read about it, if you listen, if you watch, if you watched college football this year, this draft is there. there's there's really not much difference once you get past the top like seven or eight guys. And so the question is, how many quarterbacks are going to be drafted in the top 10? How many guys will then fall to the Patriots at 14? And will they have a chance to draft a guy like Paris Johnson, who, who people are saying might go to Arizona at three? Will they have a chance to draft somebody like, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, you know, the latest on him is that the Jets love him. And that's one of the reasons why they swap picks with Green Bay, because they they want a shot at Smith and Jigba at 13. Will one of those guys fall? If one of those guys don't fall to the Pats at 14, I think it is the perfect year to slide down once, if not twice, mm-hmm. fall down to that 20 to 23 range, 24 range. Draft a guy who is who is gonna you know be good for you and, and has a chance to start day one for you and accumulate some picks. And you know, you can play around with those picks later, Greg. And if you need to trade up to in round two to draft a Darnell Washington or to draft a Josh Downs or to draft, you know, one of the offensive linemen that you might like, I think that's kind of the perfect plan. You know, wait to see if one of those guys drop to you. If not, move down. And then try to move up either back into the late first round or towards more the top of the second round.
0: Yeah, I I I completely agree with you. I think I think the Patriots where they are, um, they just need you know good football players and need to keep building on that level of young talent that they've seen to start to accumulate the last two drafts, and they just need to continue that and you know hit on cornerback and tight end are two of the positions that are really deep um, in this draft. Um, you know, I think, you know, even like you said, tackle is not great, but, you know, maybe an interior guy because um, of when he's going into, I think a, a contract year himself. Uh, I, I just think, you know, I think the sweet spot of this draft is from about 24 to like a hundred. And I I'd be okay with the Patriots, um, getting more picks there and going by their board.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. Shocker. We agree on something on this podcast. Um, <laughs> let's get to the uh, BSJ member question of the day, Greg, if you got one.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, just in, just in general, um, you know, a lot of people, I guess we'll just address, you know, Matt, Patricia, ending up um, with the Eagles as a senior defensive assistant. Um, Of course I've, I, I find it very ironic and somewhat comical that um, <laughs> that he went to the team that his defensive game plan helped uh, give them their first Super Bowl title um, ever yeah. with that performance in in '52. Um, but you know, in general, look, I, I I do think this is probably a favor, um, probably more on the craft level because they are uh, they're they're close with Jeffrey Lurie. And yep. we heard about the way Robert talked about Matt Patricia and how he thought uh, he was—he felt bad about what happened last year—and he was right to say that. Um, I, I think that they found him a landing spot. I think it's good for Matt. I wish—I uh, wish more people with the Patriots would do that. I wish they would come here, try to get a baseline of working with Bill, and then go someplace else and work because I think it would make them really well-rounded and sort of, you know, open. Uh, you know, I think we've seen a lot of their weaknesses when they go other places is the perception and how they how they,, um, how they portray themselves to the players. And I think if they see how different coaches do things like Bill's 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 way is not the greatest way when it comes to all that stuff. It worked here for a while, but you know we know that there are reasons. So, you know I uh, good for Matt that he's leaving. I hope this is good for his family. I know those transitions can be tough. I thought he was put in a terrible position this past year. He could have stepped up and said, "Bill, I this is no this this is not a good idea for you or for me, and you know you need to do something else." He didn't do that, so part of this is is his fault. But uh, I'm glad that he's he's working someplace. It's a good organization, and I think he's going to learn a lot there, and it's going to make make him better going forward.
1: What's fascinating about Patricia is, you know, the the two major beefs that Patriots fans will have about him is the the Super Bowl going against the Eagles, that game, and also what happened last year. And I just find it fascinating that Bill Belichick played a vital role in both of those things. If if Bill Belichick, uh, and I'm not saying he wasn't justified or because we don't I don't know what actually really happened here, but if Malcolm Butler's playing in that Super Bowl, things might have changed. Bill's call to sit Butler. That's what happens. And then last year, Bills called to put Patricia, you know, in charge of an offense when he was obviously not ready for that. So uh, a couple of Belichick decisions, really, really strongly impacting Matt Patricia, in 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 an adverse way for Patriots fans. So uh, I, I am going to uh, take the leave of absence here during the the draft tomorrow. But Greg will be back with a, a draft podcast, get into the nitty gritty with Kevin Field. Want to remind you that uh, the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles is brought to you. But our friends at FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com/boston and claim your two hundred dollar bonus. And then Greg and I, the plan right now is to be back on Friday to react. What in the hell did Bill Belichick do on Thursday night? What did the Patriots do in the first round? We'll react to it. All that coming up for you. Be good, be healthy, and be well.